0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: If I didn't play ultimate, I would eventually go crazy with the lack of moving myself around. But I feel like that half of the brain is untouched by the type of work that we do
0: you hear about decision fatigue that is a totally real real thing after decision 97 there might be like 25 more that should get done that day but my brain is done there's got to be tons of people out there they're not going to buy 11 phones every year but they'll watch your video about each of them do you think that that's interesting or is that just like normal for you
1: kind of what we're thinking about here at the studio is like why clickbait why it feels necessary it's this like feedback loop of you know people say they don't like clickbait but then they click on it and it's rewarded anyway and so you kind of have to keep doing it
2: question and this one came in from a couple different people. How often do you wake up at night in a cold sweat hearing a faint echo of famous
0: YouTuber Will Smith's voice calling your name? Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. We are coming to you live from Discord, not on our usual Wednesday night because we have a very special guest and we're here on a very special Thursday night coming to you live and with me as always is matthew Tabor.
2: yeah and i have to tell everybody that uh producer ben got his t-shirts today glowing reviews he's he's really happy with the softness i he said something about it cradling and tickling his body he didn't think it was possible (laughs) to feel that sort of sensation I, i that that's you know it's not a direct quote from him but i could see that on his face
0: Can I tell you a a quick thing about the shirts? I mean, obviously, Ben is a little biased and so am I. But with the uh, with the camcorder shirt, which is a white shirt, Mm -hmm. I'm so paranoid of spilling something on it because I, (laughs) I may have not mentioned this before, but I am a klutz. I'm a total mess. I I will spill a drink on my desk at least once a week. And when it comes to like dripping food on myself. It's a constant problem. I'm like a baby. I need a bib. Maybe, maybe we should make TCU bibs so I can protect my TCU t-shirt from my own infantile behavior.
2: Yeah. Or you could just cut a hole in a garbage bag and like wear it like a poncho every time (laughs) you eat just, just to be safe, just to protect the classic.
0: But it's worth it. It would be worth the protection because the shirt is so nice. That's why I'm so paranoid <laughs> about it. Uh, we do have uh, a link still uh, for you to grab your TCU t-shirts and those are shipping out ASAP this month. So very excited yeah. for people to start getting those. Make sure you post a picture when you get yours, uh, you know, send it to us Maybe on Twitter ride, let us know. or whatever, because we'd love to see you wearing your TCU t-shirt. Um Let's get to our guest, because I'm extremely excited. It's been a long time coming, having this guest on the show.
2: Yeah, yeah it's been what, Kevin, you you tried to sort this out for many months, um, and so it's, it's exciting that it's actually happening now. About 12 years ago, a high school kid watched some YouTube video reviews before buying a laptop. When he got the machine, he had a few surprises, enough to, to make a video of his own. And now he has nearly 15 million subscribers on that platform. Uh, it wouldn't be a stretch at all to say that no one has done YouTube better than Marquez Brownlee and MKBHD. Being named the creator of the decade in the Shorty Awards isn't easy to do. Being like anything of the decade in any awards is not easy to do. Uh, but it's been a tremendous grind. That's included well over a 1,000 videos, a couple years of the Waveform podcast, two seasons of the YouTube original Retro Tech, and most recently, what's called The Studio. It's a less formal, more behind-the-scenes video channel involving uh, the MKBHD team. Just a day after going live, nearly 200,000 people were on board with The Studio. Uh, And he's got his own annual phone awards that recognize the very best devices and the very best features. And a whole lot of people swear by these rankings. And that's that's the, really the interesting thing here is that um, Marquez has famously talked to people like Barack Obama and Kobe Bryant and Elon Musk, but he still makes content that matters to the real lives of his subscribers. If it's in your pocket, he's got an opinion on it and they love him for it. But uh, YouTube appears to be Some sort of a side gig, uh, a hobby here, as the real job is playing professional ultimate frisbee with the 2019 league champion New York Empire. So look, we need to get right to it. Would you be willing to sit in some type of dark crystal-like life force absorption device that drains and bottles a portion of your energy so Kevin can consume it?
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Well, what an incredible intro. Yeah, sure. I'll yes! say, yeah, sure. Sounds fun. So, I mean, it' such a unique experience hardly ever presents itself. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm I'm going to get on board with that.
2: I have a question for you, though. Like he wanted to know if it was something he could consume. But what is the essence of you? How do you consume that? Do you snort it? Do you inject it? Do you just drink <laughs> it like a like a five hour energy? Do you have to drink it every day or is it a one time thing?
1: Yeah. I'm thinking you have to just immerse yourself in it up to the neck and it goes in through your pores. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty special.
0: Oh, it's kind of like, like the (laughs) matrix pods or, um, what was that movie? Minority Report, the Tom Cruise movie where like the, uh,
2: Oh, the precogs. Yeah. The
0: precogs were like floating in those milky baths. That's what I need. Mm -hmm. I need a milky Marquez Brownlee bath. Um, (laughs) <laughs> no, seriously, man. Like, I don't get it. Like, it is on. Un- are, are you really one person doing all of these things? It it makes very little sense to me how you're able to accomplish so much all the time, nonstop.
1: Man, yeah, I mean, it's uh, luckily a lot of the the portions of my my life I'm able to like silo into their own like compartments. I compartmentalize very well. So, like, ultimate frisbee is only weekends and after work it never intersects with like the studio and the MKBHD videos so yeah it's uh i'm able to find time for a bunch of things that i really enjoy which is it's pretty fun sweet here
0: here's my follow-up question because i know there are people like this there are people like casey neistat who sleep for four hours and then wake up and run (laughs) like 12 miles are you one of these four-hour sleep people or do you get like a normal eight hours amount of sleep every night?
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere in between, I feel like. I couldn't do four hours every night, but I do, I average like six and change. And a lot of that is because I find that it takes me a really long time to go to sleep. Some people have this weird superpower, I call it, where you lie down in bed and within minutes you're asleep. And I do not have that ability. I can't go to, to bed until I'm really actually tired. Mm-hmm. So if, if it's like 11 p.m. And I'm like, you know what? It makes a lot of sense for me to go to sleep right now. I've got an early morning tomorrow. If I'm not tired, I'm just going to end up lying down in bed, staring at the wall for three hours until I'm actually tired. So I end up just doing stuff until I'm actually tired and then going to sleep. So, yeah, I, I, my my watch tells me I get like six. It's not bad.
2: <laughs> I read this stat once uh, in like Reader's Digest or something. I was young. So, you know, it's one of those things. But like. It said something uh, about how the average time it takes people to fall asleep was seven or eight minutes. And honestly, that rocked me. So, like, I I think I stopped trusting science that day. There's absolutely (laughs) no way that seven or eight minutes is the average time it takes people to fall asleep.
1: (laughs) That can't possibly (laughs) be right. If it said an hour,
2: I'd say that's fair. That's fair because, you know, some people are going straight away and then others are like two hours of TV. Like it averages out. But seven or eight minutes, that is there's no way that's reality.
0: Maybe it's because you were reading it in Reader's Digest. And so the study was from like 1895 <laughs> when people were like farming all day and then like <laughs> raising barns. And then the, yeah. You sure you didn't read this in the farmer's almanac?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting though, that like the, that you talk about things like sleep, because as much as I love talking to all the people who we talk to and, you know, we're friends with a lot of them. So we talk about, you know, normal life stuff too, but so many of them have these disastrous lives in terms of like food and sleep and how they, how they deal with physical life. And, and I wonder how, how long, you know, that's going to last for them. And then you look at somebody who has, athletics on the side who who has this incredibly long sigma grind uh career and and is doing well that can't be an accident that you know you take care of yourself reasonably well and that helps right
1: yeah no i've definitely been better about it lately than before like i've had like i remember so i currently am in like maybe the busiest part of my year because i play for the new york empire pro team that you mentioned Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, at the same time, in an overlapping season, also play for the New York club team that has a separate set of tournaments and practices and games. Um, And I obviously have the channels that I run. And I've been like really good about, oh, you know, I'm I'm injured like right now and I really want my hamstring to get better. And that's a nagging injury. So I'm going to not play this week in an effort to like get better. I've never done that before. I'd always just played through injury and just just workhorse my way through it. But back in college, I played for I need to count now one, two, three, four, five teams at once. what um i I played for my exactly. it doesn't make any sense. but I played for I played for my college team. I played for the youth area club team, YCC team called uh, called New Jersey devil, Delaware valley youth League team, uh which was a nationalist contender team. I played for. The New Jersey Hammerheads, which was another New Jersey area pro team um, and also had school and all my classes during the day and also ran all the channels that I ran. And at that point, it was like not a healthy amount of like rest. It was just a constant like flipping a switch back and forth between different modes of work. And I didn't I didn't really sleep that much. Um Have you ever so I'm, played I'm a game
2: of, of ultimate frisbee where you were on both teams at the same time?
0: <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Marquez is like like <laughs> shooting and also playing goalie <laughs> at the same time.
1: <laughs> Not yet. It's getting but it kind of feels like that when there's overlapping seasons. I mean, this is a weird year. This is a post-COVID year, so everything was canceled last year. So this year right. there's a bunch of compressed seasons in a row. It's a little bit unusual, but yeah.
0: Well, I have two follow-ups to that. One, one is more of just a funny observation that Matt, you're talking about, like the people that we've talked to and their health, mm-hmm. and like th- like the gamer schedule where people sleep until four <laughs> yeah. p.m. And then, meanwhile, we mentioned Casey, who is like uh, w- like a tough mudder slash like w- whatever those competitions are where you're like throwing tractor tires and like running up muddy hills. Like he just does that for fun. And then mm-hmm. Marquez, who's like playing for seventy-five different teams, it's like, what do they? What <laughs> do these two have in common? Oh, they're the two people we've spoken with that actually do some level, or actually a, a great deal of physical activity. Maybe there is like a little bit of secret sauce there to, uh, you know, not just guzzling G fuel, eating microwave burritos, and sleeping. cold well, called out oddly, yeah, calling myself out. Like this is,
2: I think everybody listening is is like starting to sweat a little bit right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I think no, I, they're like, I video camera on? Or are they talking about me?" <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. I feel like there maybe it's just I'm a competitive person and I want to play sports, but I feel like there's a separate half of my brain that is completely untouched if I don't have any sort of like athletic outlet at all. Mm -hmm. If I didn't play ultimate, if I didn't play any leagues or play for any teams or anything like that, I would eventually go crazy with the lack of moving myself around. If I didn't have YouTube and videos and the channels and the businesses that I run, I would go crazy just being so physically tired and not having a creative outlet. So those two halves of the brain, both getting their use is like super important to me. And I can't imagine not recommending that. Like if you can find, it doesn't have to be a sport. It can just be like an activity or just like going for a bike ride or a walk in the park or whatever it is. But I feel like that half of the brain is untouched by the type of work that we do.
0: Well, that was going to be my, my second half of that statement was, you know, you hear all the time and we've talked about it plenty on this podcast, the, the idea of burnout Like you should be the number one, like you should be like burnout poster boy of the decade. Forget just creator of the decade. You should be like on the Mount Rushmore of like legitimately, like it's okay if you burn out people, Yeah, but you're not say, oh, I get it. My God. Like, that's why I talked about like just absorbing some of your life force. Like it was like gamer, gamer girl, Beth water. Uh, because, (laughs) because it's, it's just amazing to me. Not, not, not like I'm asking for like, what's your secret, but also kind of, yeah, like what's your secret? How do you avoid not just hitting a wall with all of this stuff?
1: You know, it's funny. I, I feel like I can kind of narrow it down to like one common theme. Maybe you can call it a secret, but it is that in both of these endeavors, I feel like I'm a role player and not a leader. And I can explain it for each, right? So for for YouTube, I mean for okay, for Ultimate, it's actually pretty simple. I'm not a captain on any of the teams I play for. I get a game plan from a coach and I have captains and they're telling me what to do. And I'm I'm a part of a system and I'm a cog and a I'm a I'm a gear in a machine. And that like pushing myself to the limit in that way is one thing I don't have to do any organization or like figuring out everyone's flights and hotels for this tournament in Denver next week like it's not it's not as crazy as a time commitment it's just the pure physical side of it and then for YouTube what I've noticed about you know obviously there's endless examples of creator burnout um, but I make videos about products and I'm sure you've seen a lot of examples of this. There's car YouTubers, there's beauty yep. YouTubers. I make tech videos. So there's a, new, there's a new thing coming out every week. And so it's actually not on me to, to come up with new ideas. Like I, I do make some sort of abstract idea-based videos once in a while, but really it's like, okay, three new phones came out this week. I already know what I've gotta go do. Like I'm getting instructions from a different source And I I obviously have to bend it and add creativity my own way, but I'm not a comedy channel where I have to come up with sketches and write Mm -hmm. jokes and have endless creativity in order to continue to make the thing. So I feel like that's a, you know, maybe that's a common theme where I'm not, I'm not digging down deep to try to figure it out every week, which I think is what can kind of cause the feeling of burnout where you're like, I'm out of ideas. I don't know how to keep doing this. So, yeah, that's my secret.
0: That's a great answer, and it, when you say it, it now seems so obvious. But I just hadn't thought about it that way because there are definitely there are those days, Matt, when like you and I have to make like ninety seven decisions, like important right. decisions. Even if some of them are like lower on that ladder than the other, they're they're all important in some in some regard. And after decision, you know that you hear about decision fatigue. And and that is a totally real thing. After decision like 97, there might be like 25 more that should get done that day, but my brain is done. I just can't do it anymore. And that seems to be part of that problem of burnout is just your brain just turning into oatmeal. And it sounds like when you have a format that allows there to be some pressure relieved from that process and you can just focus on making the best review of this phone possible, then it's just less having your head in a vice all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And another way to think about it is I always I feel like it's like the the, the mentality of chasing something versus leading something. Mm-hmm. Like if you put somebody on a treadmill and turn the speed up, it's gonna get harder no matter what. But if there's something just off the front of the treadmill that lets you forget about the treadmill and you're still chasing it all the time, like that that lets you kind of ignore whatever maybe it's not a healthy way of phrasing it but whatever burnout <laughs> you might be experiencing is because you're like ah, i'm right there i want to get to the next thing
0: mm-hmm. yeah well it's certainly working out well for you as far as being able to scale also like i know that like if people don't know well you have the new the studio channel but the the office space that you have is beautiful and it's so cool and it's something that we've talked to a lot of creators about is being able to Hire people and get help. Uh, w- what has it been like having an office space as opposed to you know working from home?
1: Oh yeah. Well, thank you. First of all, I'm we're super proud of it. Um, I I love it because initially it's funny. I was uh, right after college. I was searching for like a some place to move out of my college apartment, and I was going to get like a small like condo and, ha- and turn the basement into the studio or something. And I was I was really close to pulling the trigger on that, and then it sort of fell through. And then I found this studio space and I'm really glad I did because now there's a separation between work and the rest of life, Mm -hmm. which really continues to let me compartmentalize well. And yeah, so now, you know, you can bring people instead of having people over in your basement every day, it's like you, you go to the work and then you do work there and then you leave and you stop doing work. You do other things. So, um, so yeah, we have this, uh, this space. It's sort of tucked away right next to New York city. Uh, we have a small team that's growing and has all kinds of different, different things. We're sort of putting our hand in hands in, which is, is fun. We kind of, we don't have like a master plan as much as we're just sort of trying to make the best things we can, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great. It's been a couple years of having a team around me, which is super helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's definitely been awesome to see and I was down there. For people who don't who don't know, I had the honor of of being in an episode of Retro Tech, uh, fumbling my way through quantum entanglement. Thanks for that. <laughs> I mean, you've thrown me any sort it of so softballs on that one. It's like, hey, Kevin, come on down and talk about uh, you know quantum <laughs> mechanics. Uh, sure, no problem. But it turned he out great. It. Yeah, yeah. The, the people at Vox um, who who do the production did a really nice job with the animation and everything. Um, uh, so I think it really turned out awesome. But yeah, it was cool to, to see the space and to be a part of that. And now you're doing your podcast with Vox as well. I saw that was a, a big announcement recently.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're great. They've, they've helped out a lot. I've, I mean, I've worked with them in the past and obviously the first season of Retro Tech did great. And we have the second season that's out now. And if people haven't watched it, they want to see the episode you're on, they should totally watch it. Um, but yeah, that, that has been, that was unique because they were producing it and I was just sort of along for the ride. I felt like you, I was like along for the ride. I was like, this is about what now I'd stepped into the room and they were like, <laughs> all right, we've set up this thing. Kevin's going to explain this. And I'm like, okay, sounds great. I can't wait. <laughs> like I'm, I'm along for the ride instead of like trying to, to lead the thing myself. So yeah, that, it turned out good. It was mm-hmm. fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an episode. I think it's just called teleportation. So if you guys look up retro tech, yeah. teleportation, uh, you'll see a little bit of a cameo by me. I got to make a Super Mario Brothers reference. I'm glad that made it into the cut. <laughs> um, nice. Because I was thinking, like, you know, they probably should have hired like an actual physicist to do this. But then on the other <laughs> hand, would they have made like a Haunted House Super Mario uh, Boo reference? probably not. They probably probably not. Probably not. Yeah. wouldn't have been able to do that. But um, before we get into like tech stuff, because you talk about that stuff all the time, I want to know more about Marquez. Uh, you're a pretty recognizable guy. Do you have any like horrible stories about being recognized in public?
1: Uh, no, I don't actually. Not really. You know, it's funny. I, I feel like I notice what I've noticed is everyone that I meet has a different way of trying to explain that they recognize me. Like that's, <laughs> like that's, the, that's the entertaining part. Like, so I'll, I'll meet somebody like, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a game, like a home game or something for Frisbee and someone after the game will be like, oh yeah, my son watches your videos or something like that. Or, oh yeah, you know, my my nephew was telling me about, uh, you do, you're a YouTuber tech something something. And that's always fun. Sometimes I can see them trying not to, (laughs) trying not to be too enthusiastic. Like I'll have people at like a tech event or something be like, oh, you look familiar. And I'll just go, yeah, maybe from, I don't know, from the internet or something. And they'll go, you're MKBHD, right? And they'll just launch right into it. Like (laughs) they, (laughs) they knew, they, they already knew. But, uh, there's a whole spectrum of everything in between and everyone's got a different, uh, approach like do you happen to make tech videos by any chance why like, do you yes, think it's me. so
2: weird? Why is it almost like a taboo thing? Like they're recognizing you from like obscure pornography where, you know, it's like not, you <laughs> yeah, know, like, where they're like, they're oh God, I got to tease this. Yeah. you like, it's, it's the most normal thing ever. Don't they, you tell know, my wife just be that like... I watch your f- phone reviews. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But why no, do it's... you
2: think that people don't want to just come out and just be like, Hey, do you make those tech YouTube videos?
1: It, that is a really interesting question, actually. I, I I wonder if it has to do, again, because of the nature of the channel as a product-based channel, uh-huh. where if you watch tech videos, then you must be a fan of the tech. And like most people are, but there's, a, yeah. there's an increasing number of people who are like, ah, sometimes I'm not really interested in the tech, but I'll just watch a video just because I'm enjoying the videos. And then suddenly you're a fan of the person too, but it's not as it's not as normal to be a fan of the person, I guess, as like just being into tech. So maybe there's a little bit of a barrier for people there. They're like, oh, I don't want to admit that I'm a fan of a YouTuber, even though I am a fan of the tech and the gadgets and stuff like that. So there's a, it's just a slight difference there between being a product fan and a channel fan. but I don't know. I mean, I don't think there should be any, I, I'm sure the porn stars have way more stories than I do about getting recognized <laughs> What, <laughs> but, what uh, an odd
2: I, stigma. Like it just doesn't make sense yeah. to me. Uh, that there would even be a rift between, you know, the, the two fandoms that you described, like what's the big deal. Can't you, can't you love phones and YouTube?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, so I think sometimes the, it gets weird when people, uh, people recognize my car, which is kind of funny. Um, because I've shown it in videos and it has a unique look or whatever. So I'll like come out to my car and like the parking lot of a grocery store and somebody's taking a selfie with it and I'll just kind of like wait for them to leave and then then go over to my car because that's, <laughs> I don't know, that's kind of weird to me.
0: <laughs> Did they see you or are you like hiding?
1: No, usually usually they don't. Like, uh, or literally I'll come out. This, my car is sentry mode. It has cameras in it and it'll record when anyone gets near the car. So I'll come out and it'll tell me when I get into the car that two people were near it and I can watch the video of them like sitting on the hood of my car. I'm like, why? What? I don't understand why people do that. But yeah, I'm usually, uh, I'm usually snooping around the corner trying not to get in the way.
0: <laughs> of them, fam, <laughs> of them standing your car. Uh, yeah. I never thought about the, relationship that you have with your audience and it's interesting that you mention like tech fans because look like i will watch a tech video if i want to know about the tech but but it's there's got to be tons of people out there that will just like they're not going to buy 11 phones every year but they'll watch your video about each of them what that i find that fascinating do you think that that's interesting or is that just like normal for you
1: yeah no we think about that all the time here as like part of content strategy and it is kind of funny because yeah you know most of the review videos the the big videos that we make are here's a new thing here's whether you should buy it or not and if we do 30 phone videos in a year for most people, that's 29 videos where they're not really involved in that decision, but they're sort of along for the ride entertaining it in their mind anyway. Um, and so that's a that's a challenge for us is to, to continue to also present that gadget to people who aren't thinking about buying it, who just want to see it, keep up to date, see what's new, see what's exciting in the world of tech and sort of uh, keep abreast with that sort of thing. Um, and then of course, there's the videos that aren't reviews where we're just kind of talking about tech or topics or events or whatever it is and people can sort of follow along with that that's not really as as complex but yeah there is there is a good amount of people i feel i think that's actually one of the most common uh, comments i've gotten in real life in the past like two years which is hey man i'm not really interested in all of the tech you review but i still watch the videos about the tech you review mm-hmm. which, uh, you know fascinating to me yeah, it's fascinating to me
0: too i mean when i was a kid. God, I was thinking about Toys R Us the other day. Okay, can I have, like, a moment to talk about how awesome Toys R Us was and how (laughs) sad it is for kids today that there's no Toys R Us? I I mean, look, kids today have so much more other things that are a million times cooler, like like tablets and smartphones and video games, like, constantly everywhere. That's way better. But let me have one thing as a child of the 1980s over you— little kids Gen Z listening and that's Toys R Us. Toys R Us was, was like a, true a Mecca. It was a Mecca. That's what I was going to say. It yeah. was a religious experience. It was going to like a temple of toys. It was yeah. unbelievable. And now where can you go? Like the Target or Walmart toy sections that it's not same at all. It's no. yeah. not, not even remotely I, the same. Toys R Us was like a Walmart. That was just toys. From floor to ceiling.
2: Can I tell you something, Kevin? Yes. I never, I never went to Toys R Us. Oh, Not once have I, ooh. was I ever in a Toys R Us. Oh, this is, this is why it turned out like on the different paths that we, we went down. It probably, the fork in the road was Toys R Us and you <laughs> went to it or you didn't. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so I had a joyful, hopeful childhood <laughs> and you were just like digging <laughs> trenches in the backyard.
2: <laughs> I was digging trenches that's right and then uh two two stones for one dirt it was uh, a real slog with the shovel
0: oh yeah your pickaxe but what i was gonna say is that when i was a kid uh if you couldn't make it to toys r us you could still get the catalog like toys r us would send a catalog just filled with stuff Yeah. yeah flyers you'd get for free um as junk mail but for a kid it wasn't junk mail because you could just look through that you could just paw through it with your little dorito fingers and just look at the toys and imagine the toys that you could have uh but you never will but it doesn't matter you could still just see them the point is i wonder if there's a bit of that going on with watching your videos where it's like you know i can't afford this phone or i can't afford another phone or you know uh, I'm not really interested in a flip phone, but I want to see what it looks like. If it's like a yeah. Toys R Us catalog in 2021, does that I think, resonate at all? Yeah.
1: I think, yes, I think there's something to it. I think there's a, you know, part of what we try to do with the videos, you know, you see them shot in really high quality and that's obviously really fun. But a specific part of that is we're trying to shoot the videos as realistic as possible to give you sort of like a sample, like a taste of if you already owned it, if you already had this for yourself. And it's harder for some things than others. Like with a phone, I can I can give you like a first person view of like pulling the phone out of your pocket and opening it up and looking at it and examining it and using it and gaming on it and all that stuff. And we've gotten good at that. But like, you know, shooting some of these car videos where I'm trying to give you like a first person view of the steering wheel and looking out the dashboard and all this stuff it is actually a conscious thought of ours yeah to try to give you a feel like you also already own the thing before you really do own it
0: mm-hmm. or, or just vicariously pretend like you could own it because that's really yeah. what's happening probably 99 percent of the people who are watching the video it's just this like tech osmosis well were you the first uh were you the first youtuber to really go over the top in a way with making these glamour shots when it comes to these <laughs> mm. devices because
1: you definitely are not. In, in
0: my mind you are so so if okay then who who did that first
1: <laughs> Yeah I might be like I might have taken it further than anyone but I've I was I was inspired by a couple of I remember at the time there was a couple. Early tech channels that really did a lot of unique stuff. One was Mark Watson. He still makes videos now. Soldier knows best. He pioneered screen recordings and editing screen recordings to be really high quality. Uh, I would say John Morrison, TLD today. He was really early to shooting with big sensors and interchangeable lenses and DSLRs. Uh, you know the nice soft depth, depth of field and like really interesting cinematography. And I think there's a there's a couple others if you want to go into like the the vlog game like Justine's been doing it for a long time in various styles. Um, I've obviously sort of leaned really into that. Like I'll sh- I'm shooting with cinema cameras and trying to go put you in the shoes of the person who's holding the phone. But like yeah, I wasn't first, but I definitely try to continue to to stretch that a bit. Try to try to p- move that line forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Justine because I imagine if Justine was born in 1900, she would just be like lugging (laughs) around gigantic film cameras and doing the same exact thing, but like vlogging like Charlie Chaplin or something.
1: (laughs) She would have been the Charlie Chaplin, 100%.
0: Absolutely. Because talking to her, it's like, wait, you did, you were, you were literally the first person on Twitch. Did you know that?
1: yeah. And she was doing like live blogs before Twitch even ex- live live streaming before Twitch existed.
0: Yeah. It was called Justin TV. And like the guy, yeah. Justin asked Justine to try out yeah. his new thing. And she did. And that eventually became Twitch, which is uh, very few people know this. I was blown away by that story.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. And so, it's yeah, weird that she was...
0: it was Justin and she was Justine. I don't know. The whole thing is like
1: <laughs> quirky, it sounds made up. <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre.
0: But um, I want to get back to folding phones. Do we need those? Do you like those? Should 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 I be looking forward to folding a phone? What what? Why are we doing this?
1: That's a good question. Uh, okay. I'm currently working on my review of one of the folding phones. It's the Fold Three, the one that folds out into a tablet. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to review the Flip Three, which is the small one that flips out from like a like a pocket square into like a normal phone. Bottom line, I'm going to say. Uh, No, you don't need a folding phone yet. But the idea, the ambition of a folding phone is really, really something cool, right? So the idea of like being able to have a tablet-sized screen that you fold up and put in your pocket, I mean, that's kind of like straight from the movies. Like you take something out of your pocket and boom, now it's the size of like the front dashboard of your car. Like it's a huge screen. That's like the idea that we're chasing. And the current technology Clearly doesn't let us do the thing from the movies, but it lets us get like kind of an impressive thing going on, which is like an iPad mini size screen that folds up and also gives us like a like a six inch candy bar shaped screen on the outside. Uh, The problem is there are still trade offs, basically. So in an ideal world, the tech is so good that you can get a normal phone that happens to fold in half and there's no downsides, no battery downsides, no camera downsides, no usability downsides. The Fold3 that I'm reviewing right now folds in half, puts an amazingly big screen in your pocket, but also has trade-offs. It has worse battery life, it has more delicate screen, it has less than stellar cameras, like it's it's missing some stuff, Mm -hmm. and it's $1,800. So Ooh, you lot. have to really want specifically to fold in half. Otherwise, this phone makes no sense to buy. And so these phones don't get to be like mainstream recommendable to normal people until they get rid of those tradeoffs, um, which is just a question of like, OK, when's the tech going to get better? Like the flip is a thousand dollars and uh, it's pretty close. Like it's got a crease in the middle and it's a little delicate, but it's, it's closer than the last ones have been. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think I'll probably start recommending folding phones probably in like another two, three years when we're finally over that hump of at least like not terrible battery life, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I almost want the opposite. Like I don't want a big honking thing. Like I wish my phone f- folded so that it was smaller. And then when you unfold it, it's the yeah. size of a normal phone. That, that would exactly. be what I would want.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a, a flip a chiclet, a, a chiclet sized <laughs> like, postage stamp that you, that you just undo like 16 ways. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: no, there's I feel like there's two types of two types of people with folding phones. And that's like the two that Samsung made. It's the flip, which is the one that's like a normal phone that folds down.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: there's the fold, which is like a normal phone that folds up and out into like a bigger thing. And oh. yeah, you you kind of have to get one or the other. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm reviewing the big one, the Fold. It's 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 expensive. It's like definitely not for everyone. It's literally like <laughs> it's twice as much as a normal phone, and you you don't get the same flagship quality experience as like some of the best phones that literally Samsung also makes. But we're so close. Like it's it would be so cool if we got there and they actually got all the trade offs to go you know to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's definitely amazing technology. You know what technology I love that no one talks about. Uh, Handless paper towel dispensers, like touchless paper towel dispensers. I love those. That's one of my most favorite inventions of humankind is being able to go to a public Mm. restroom and just wave my hand like a magician to get a paper towel out. And do you have any weird things like that where you're like, nobody talks about this technology, but I secretly love it.
1: You know it's funny I actually have maybe the opposite experience of you with various automatic gadgets <laughs> okay because they are typically uh looking for a certain level of contrast between a white hand and a dark background like that's the way they're built oh and so it's funny like usually the paper towel dispensers are fine but a lot of the like automatic hand sanitizer things or a lot of these like automatic soap dispensers are particularly bad with darker skin tones and really annoying for me to use. And so I I agree like, wow, what a dope invention. Like I never wanna have to touch the paper towel dispenser ever, perfect. But yeah, surprisingly just little bits of like code that go into these things can actually have biases that have implications for like real people who like are now annoyed by the soap. The soap thing, the automatic sink never works for me on the first try. It's like amazing how bad they are for me. So I love the idea of it, but I feel like I have the opposite experience where I'm like, I secretly hope these will get dramatically better in the next few years. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: I've never heard of that problem before, but that's really messed up. I thought it was just kind of like a, a distance thing. Like it, like if you put any, if you put a cucumber, you put a human hand, you put a toilet mm. brush like over that thing, it, a, a laser would just hit it no matter what it was and soap mm. would shoot out. But it actually yeah. uses light in order to determine it, that it should, it should trigger is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it depends on what the exact application is like a garage door closer will just use like a laser and if something breaks the laser then it'll it'll not close yeah but for something like maybe a soap dispenser like soap or water could easily break that like if it just happened to like roll some water down over the light so they can't just use light so they actually put like a little CMOS sensor in there and that's going to just look at a very basic level for some type of contrast so obviously the bathroom has always got lights on and if a hand goes in the place, then it works. But if it's not, if you put a cucumber there, I, I feel like it's, it's going to have the same problems as me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't register quite the same way. I think they're all kind of using random different things. I bet the paper towel dispenser is infrared. I, I feel like that would be pretty straightforward. It's just got to just fire infrared out. And if it stops, then it's fine. But yeah, it's it's, it's a little different for everything.
2: Uh, I think all the patrons just realized that uh, that the money they contribute is going to go to Kevin's bail fund when he's found going around public restrooms with cucumbers, mumbling about testing things, (laughs) 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 trying to trying to get to the bottom of this. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to get a phone call about that one.
0: No, no. What I am going to do, though, is is put together a a coalition of people to reinvent these sensors because this is this is messed
2: up. It's really weird to me that, that like we go from talking about, uh, you know, here's this very delicate f- screen that flips and folds and, you know, some of them have a seam and it's $2,000. Like this is crazy tech, right? Ten years ago, mm-hmm. like <laughs> that would have been insane. And, and then it's like, well, but this incredibly simple, cheap thing actually kind of sucks and doesn't work that well.
1: Yeah. That's Yeah. I'm you saying. know what it reminds me of? We have a, every year we have a blind smartphone camera test that we do. I don't know if you've seen this where we we put a bunch of smartphones like literally the top 20 phones of the year all up against each other and we don't tell people which one's which but we'll put two photos next to each other and just have people vote for which one they think is the best one and so inevitably you know you put the iphone up against the samsung and you put the motorola up against the tcl and you just kind of you just see how it goes you you never really can predict exactly which one's going to win And what was funny is one of our findings in that is a lot of smartphones, especially some of the ones made in Korea or made in certain more regional uh, local areas that aren't like as global, uh, will really bias for a fairer skin tone. And if you present it with a darker skin tone, it'll try really hard to lighten the face because that's what it does with every photo it takes usually. Mm -hmm. And that's typically fine, even if it's an iPhone, if it's trying to do this little normal HDR thing, it's like raising the shadows up. But sometimes you get some really weird, like (laughs) really, really weird looking faces out of darker skin tones on some of these phones. And it's like, yeah, the tech is amazing, but they are, it's just made by people. Like it's just, it's code written by people and it's people who have a job to, to make a, piece of software, do a certain thing. And, you know, that's not completely bias-free. And so you try to get it as good as possible and you do get some pretty great phones out of it. But that was one of our interesting findings is it's actually not perfect. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you talk about, um, you know, how hard it is to evaluate some of these features and that you need something like a, like a blind camera test and then, you know, to identify what's working, what isn't. Have you ever gotten something wildly wrong though? Like, is there, is there a, a video that you've made on a piece of tech where you Flat out regret having made that video.
1: It's mm, um, a good question.
2: I because it seems like that with if you make you know twelve billion videos about tech stuff, which. You know, sometimes when I have uh, advice, I'm I'm pretty simple. I'm certainly not nearly as sophisticated as as most people. But, you know, I feel one way uh, when I get it and I feel a different way six months and a different way beyond that 12 months down the line. Like, is there is there anything where you thought you nailed it and then, well, for better or worse,
1: uh, changed your mind? I don't know if I have a good example, but I do know there's de- there's definitely different amounts of time that it takes that we've learned to like properly review a thing. Uh, and that like the time really varies. Like you could hand me a pair of headphones right now and within probably three hours, I could tell you everything you need to know about this headphone and if it's good or not, short of battery life, like everything okay. about the headphones. Uh, you give me a smartphone, then you're looking at maybe a week or so to really iron out like the daily usage habits. That's typically how long it takes me. And then it's funny with like cars, with like a, <laughs> a thing people expect to have for like eight years. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah. I can only tell you so much before it's like, I don't know how long, how many miles you have to drive before you need a tire rotation and before things start to break down. It, everything I do with a car is really kind of a first impression. So it's kind of a spectrum of like how wrong you really can be. Um, one thing I'll, I remember though about the blind smartphone camera test is like we try to be as... Uh, As fair as possible with the brackets, because we're behind the scenes, like making the brackets. So, okay, we're going to put the Samsung in the first round up against, you know, the TCL and the phone is going to be against the iPhone. And we're not like rigging it or anything, but we're kind of expecting the better phones to win. And every year something just goes horribly wrong. Like some phone. (laughs) I don't think I don't think the iPhone we've done this for three years in a row. The iPhone has never made it out of the first round of a blind smartphone camera test, which you would expect that to be in the finals. Like every year, it's one of the best phones, but it always loses the blind comparison, which is just so weird to us. Um, Why? So yeah, there's.
0: Do you have any idea why?
1: So there are theory for that is our first photo is always we try to give it a good variety of things we shoot it outside it's usually got me in it so it's got skin tones maybe some other random colors like the sky test dynamic range stuff like that and the iphone surprisingly always biases very blue and very cool Um, and this is something Apple's been working on. It's better now than it's ever been. But if you look at like an iPhone photo versus a Samsung photo of the same outdoor subject, the iPhone photo just looks blue for some reason. And the, the, the Samsung and whatever else will just look a little warmer and a little more realistic. And the second you put them next to each other, people just immediately pick the other one. The iPhone just loses first round every time. So yeah, I don't know it's interesting we we've found a lot of really weird things from our blind test which is that's why we're going to keep doing it
0: yeah that's awesome it's like a, a little bit of a, a random controlled trial it's like a little bit of science uh, a dipping bit, your toe yeah. a little bit into a little bit into science on your tech channel well we have to get to our patrons questions but before we do that i have one more thing i wanted to ask you about and that's uh before we started recording we were just kind of uh Chewing the fat a little bit about this Veritasium video that came out, just talking about click clickbait and um, legit bait and titling and, mm. and thumbnails, and you had mentioned that this was something that you were thinking of doing, is making a video about this subject. And um, I specifically didn't want to hear your reasons why, so that we could save it for now, so everybody could hear your reasons why. So, what are your thoughts on? you know, uh, Derek's video about clickbait and and what were you thinking of doing to make such a, a, a video on your own channel?
1: Yeah. So, OK, well, first, I want to say Derek's video was really good and I'm glad he made it because his video was much more, even though he did include some science examples, it was much more broad and I feel like it it works really well on his channel. Um, But kind of what we we're thinking about here at the studio is like why clickbait not just why it works, but why it feels necessary. And it's it's this like feedback loop of, you know, people say they don't like clickbait, but then they click on it and it's rewarded anyway. And so you kind of have to keep doing it. Um, I guess my twist would have kind of been in the, in the world of tech YouTube, which would have been a little more niche, but sort of in the way that people watch videos in the tech world, mainly for the gadget itself first. So all things considered, like you can see a new gadget come out and that one gadget will do better views on everyone else's channel than another comparable gadget. Like there's lots of car YouTubers out there. Every single one of them that's done a video on the new Tesla Model S Plaid, that video is just doing better. People are just more interested in that car. So in that way, it seems like clickbait doesn't really matter so much. But then for all the others that get less views, you want to find some way to incentivize people to watch. So you got to find something. And so it ends up maybe not being clickbait, but maybe sort of stretching or fabricating a little bit of an extra storyline or an extra extreme opinion or something, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of gets a little dangerous in the tech world because you want to be as accurate as possible, feeling like you're putting your reporter hat on and, and giving people just straight cold facts. So it's a bit of a conflict of interest to try to, be a a creator that needs to get as many views as possible, but also someone who needs to present things as accurately and factually as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what my angle would have been, but I, I love Derek's video. I think he he kind of nailed it, which is like all the, the questions about why YouTube thumbnails have evolved over the years. I, I remember when you couldn't make your own YouTube thumbnails. You kind of had to just <laughs> hope that the auto-selected one was good, um, but why they've evolved over the years to sort of all have this... This type of look, and he described it really well. So
0: it was good. Or, or Marquez, I don't know if you remember this. You do the thing that really sleazy creators did back in the day before you could make your own custom thumbnails, and you'd put one frame of some boobs in exactly (laughs) the right spot of the video, and then that became the thumbnail.
1: Yeah, yeah. Remember that. So first. Yeah, first it was they used to just pick the exact middle frame of the video. So if you made your whole video, then you could time it out just right, scroll to the middle of your timeline and put a couple frames of what you wanted to be the thumbnail and that was fine. Then YouTube started randomly selecting an automatic frame from the video. Then YouTube's auto-generated went to AI-based thumbnails where it would try to look at a face or find some good representative frame but then also that was around the time when the YouTube Partner Program came around and people started being able to upload their own images as thumbnails. And then that sort of just became the standard. See,
0: this is why I like talking to you because you know these things.
1: <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> about any of that.
0: I didn't know how any of that worked. That's fascinating. Well, Matt, do yeah. you have uh, uh, any any experience with uh, making educational videos where people are expecting a specific thing, but trying to title it in such a way that people uh, will click on it. You don't know anything about that, yeah. do you?
2: No, and it's it's so interesting to hear about the tech side where people are inherently interested in this device or that car or whatever it is, and that, that really can drive the the popularity of a thing versus the conversations that you and I have, Kevin, where it's like, how do you make people interested in is something that uh, is very obscure academically and they, they really truly can go on the rest of their lives without knowing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's pretty much what we run into. And that was part of what I loved about Derek's video because, um, you know, obviously he makes educational content. So that was what that video was about, was looking at it through that lens, which is the lens that we work with on Vsauce 2. That is the challenge. It is, you know, we're going to make this video about this probability problem, or paradox, or something that was written in this one obscure journal, and there are three paragraphs about it from 1948 or whatever. Um, no one knows about this thing, uh, so you can't title it what it is. Um, what do you say that will a be interesting for people to click on, and b accurately represent yeah. what? the video is about so that people you gotta don't do it justice go re in all caps <laughs> uh when they click the thing <laughs> which <laughs> inevitably happens anyway
2: <laughs> yes it does
0: happens all the time um well let's uh let's let's move on to our our patrons questions unless matt did you have anything else on the the click do and
2: i, I want to throw these like, up because okay. they're they're really very, very good and uh, kind of expand on some of the things we're talking about. But first off, uh, Andy wanted to know your initial thoughts on the Tesla plan.
1: Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it's incredible. That's my initial thoughts. <laughs> um, no, the Tesla, the, the Model S really hasn't changed that much over the years, but this one is like by far their best version. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, quirks about it. It's got this weird yoke steering wheel and it's got touch buttons and I'm gonna say it took me, you know, you asked for initial thoughts, but it took me about, I'm 2,000 miles in, I am finally used to the buttons on the wheel, and it took me about 2,200 miles to stop missing the blinkers. Um, oh, that seems I would bad. have to literally, yeah, <laughs> it's a time. lot. Dude, it's a long time. And I'm like, <laughs> the first couple days and weeks of driving this car, I'm like, I look over my shoulder, I check my mirror, and then I look down at the steering wheel to find the blinker, and by the time I hit it, I got to look back over my shoulder and back at the mirror again to make sure I'm still good. Hmm. Like that's the type of thing you deal with with this weird like remapping of your uh, your muscle memory. But it's remapped, so I you know I hit the buttons now without looking, and I'm I'm driving the car like normal. But Jesus Christ, that car is fast. Like it's <laughs> it's prob it's problematic how how easy it is to. Uh, Let's just say probably go to lose your license territory. It's it's a matter of oh. seconds. Oh my
2: god. So I, I read that it was like one point fact- nine seconds, zero to
1: sixty. I mean, that's that's nothing. Yeah. Like one point nine so seconds. So here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing about that. So the last one, Model S Raven, was already ridiculously fast to sixty. It was it was uh, what was it? Okay. Zero to sixty and two point three seconds or whatever, right? So this one now it's like one point nine nine. Honestly. Bro, with those tires, like I can't <laughs> feel the difference. It's 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 stupid fast, right? But the sixty to one thirty of Model S Raven was uh, about seven and a half seconds. The sixty to one thirty on Plaid is four seconds. So it keeps picking up speed after sixty. It beats the three million dollar Bugatti Chiron to one hundred fifty miles an hour. Like it just keeps pulling Whoa. like a roller coaster, and the fact that like you're kind of just holding on to the yoke for dear life at that point. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. And I, I was like, I'm telling myself I'm not going to do anything dumb on the streets. Obviously, you want to take this car to a track. But, like, you find a straightaway on the highway, and you, if you just squeeze it for a couple seconds, you're, it's it's hilarious what this car can do. So, yeah, no, it's it's crazy. The car is great. The materials are great. Like, the, it's a fun car. I don't know if you saw Doug DeMiro's recent uh video he did of it. I watch like every, every video he does with every car. And it was probably the funniest reaction I've ever seen to anyone stomping on an accelerator pedal ever. It was great.
2: <laughs> well, there's a, a, a question to tack on to this that I, I really like because I've never thought about it. Um, Andy brings up how, you know, technologically savvy Teslas are. Uh, does that
1: make Tesla a tech brand or a car brand? Oh, that's a That's a great question. Uh, (laughs) That's that's a a question a lot of car companies, yeah, a lot of them are trying to figure that out still. Honestly, they're both, but they do have a much, much bigger advantage as a software company than they do as a tech company. Because right now, if you ask like, I don't know, Volkswagen. Volkswagen, are you a software company or a car company? Mm. Oh, of course we're a car company. Our specialty is like making millions of cars every year and cranking them out in perfect condition from the factory every time and if you ask tesla you know i'm sure they would say they're a car company too but like you can't push an over-the-air software update to a volkswagen car you can't like make the software better every year as far as i've seen you can't push a software update to make the car faster like tesla's in another world with software with their cars um And someday they're going to have to get as good as the Volkswagens and Toyotas of the world as far as like cranking out millions of cars, because they're definitely not as good as those guys yet. Um, But who do you have more faith in? Do you think Volkswagen is going to suddenly become a really good software company or do you think Tesla is going to figure out an assembly line?
2: Uh, One seems easier than the other. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, I would agree.
2: Yeah, that's just a really interesting concept, though, that, um, you know, I think it's pretty rare for a company to be so different and so significant that you even have a question about <laughs> whether it's like one of two radically different things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are they?
2: Yeah. No, that, that I'm just still kind of, you know, mind blown by, by the, the possibilities of that. Um, but Isaac wanted to ask about retro tech and what it was like making a couple seasons of that show. And if you had a chance to keep going, would you do it?
1: yeah no that was a that was super fun so we've had two seasons of it now uh first season was actually we kind of had a different idea for each season the first season was emmy nominated amazingly but it was uh literally just six different gadgets from the past and like how they changed our future so we had the walkman in there we had the DynaTech, the first ever mobile phone and we just went through and explored that in like 25 minute half hour episodes Then the next one was actually uh, six different like future concepts and why we haven't gotten there yet. So obviously you heard about the teleportation episode, but we also had a flying cars episode. Like how many times have you heard about the Back to the Future flying car and why are we not there yet? And and for that matter, the Back to the Future uh, self-lacing shoes and all the wearables we are supposed to have by now. And also what about time travel? Like there's tons of examples of things we thought we'd have. So that was season two um yeah no it was it was really fun it's like i said it was uh it was produced in in collaboration with vox studios so it was it was a little more off of my hands they were in charge of the editing and the production and the story and the guests and like making it all come together so that was really cool for me to like just be a part of the direction of that and like you know sort of point a finger and things happen so like i go hey you know kevin would be really good for this episode right and they go, yes, yes, we'll, we'll make that happen. <laughs> and so that it happened. Um, but yeah, usually, you know, with all the MKBHD videos, we're doing every single thing from beginning to end. So it was fun. I think we do it again.
0: Can, can I jump in real quick before we get to the next patron question? Because I have my own question. Uh, do, you, do you like any re- like ret- like literal retro tech, like cassettes or vinyl even? All of these things are coming back. Like a lot of uh, groups, a lot of like metal bands that I'm into are literally making cassettes again. And that's a thing. Oh, wow. Do you, do you like any of that stuff? Or is that like not, does that not interest you?
1: You know, it's kind of funny. We came up with Retro Tech as an idea because I have almost no experience or nostalgia for any of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and like, I you're right. I do see like records coming out now. Like, obviously it's been around forever, but like, I'm like, oh yeah, this new artist I like is making a record. That's interesting. But um, yeah, no, it was, A big part of like the first season was like, what do you mean you've never used a Sega Genesis? Like everyone your age has at least tried a Sega Genesis. And I'm sitting there like, no, I've never used that. I've never used a Walkman. We should we should like just immerse me in that world. Like, let's figure it out. So to answer your question, I feel like I don't really have as much. My first game console ever was the PS4 when I went to college. What?
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was a little, I was a little bit of a bubble. I was in a little bubble. Thanks, mom. But hey, <laughs> it let us make a pretty good season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and
0: look at you now. Look, look what that bubble did, mom. Yeah, now, thanks, mom. You, you have turned your tech. son into like, one of the most <laughs> famous tech-obsessed people on planet Earth. Great job. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Well, on uh, on tech products, Isaac wants to know what it was like handling an Apple product before it was announced or revealed for the first time and whether getting things ahead of everybody else really affects your production flow.
1: Uh, Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, I feel like that's two different worlds. There's uh, reviewing a tech product that's already out and sort of has a reputation already. And then there's this weird, unique pressure of uh, a device that's about to get announced and has a whole bunch of rumors about it and then suddenly it's in your hands and you can't say anything yet, but you'll have an hour or two to spend with it and create your entire impressions to answer everyone's hard hitting questions that they're wondering about it. And it, yeah, it is a very unique workflow where you're like, you're trying really hard to ingest as much as you can about this gadget and really figure out your take. But also like they're going to take it out of your hands in an hour. You better get to work making the video, too. <laughs> so, Yeah. It, is, uh, it definitely affects our workflow, but it's, it's fun. Honestly, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I feel like it's a unique privilege that we do get that opportunity to tell a story of a gadget. Sometimes there are some really crappy gadgets that come out and we have to tell them, hey, your, your gadget's pretty bad. I know it's about to come out, but like the world needs to know it's bad. So yeah, no, it's, it's a good time.
2: Uh, talking about specific devices, APM's question is about Samsung Galaxy Watches and how you tend not to give them a whole lot of attention. Uh, is there a thing about Android watches uh, that that
1: makes them less appealing to cover? Will that change with the new Wear OS? That's a good question. I think they're they're on the radar again because of Wear OS for sure. Um, it's funny. There's there's so much like there's always, especially this time of year, there's like a balancing act of like I want to cover everything, but also too many things come out for that to be possible. Yeah. So like we move from one thing to the other, to the next, to the next, to the next. And like it was Pixel 5a two days ago and then the fold and then the flip and then hopefully the watches, but also the buds. And then by then it's going to be the next week and we're going to see the next ad- announcements and events and it just keeps going. Um, so yeah, we're sort of in the in the middle of that balancing act. And I think the watches are on the radar this time. But uh, yeah, they, from what I've seen are really, really good If you use a Samsung phone, which is kind of like an Apple watch, it's really, really good. But if you use an iPhone, like you have to be in that world. So if we're going to talk to that subset of a subset of people, then uh, it's obviously going to be a smaller audience than than usual. But I think they're on the radar. Should be cool.
2: Yeah, no, that's interesting. So my first like device uh, in addition to a phone was the first generation of Samsung watch. I got it fairly recently. You can imagine how, how cheap it was, uh, getting an older one. This thing is awesome. I love this. And so now I'm actually excited to see what is coming next so I can jump on the train of, of kind of current smartwatch tech. Um, and I, I yeah. do use an iPhone and I, you know, wondered about the compatibility between the two, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to pay close attention to, to all that stuff. Cause I want to have a good experience, but I don't want to change my ecosystem, you know? Mm. Um, that ecosystem so we have a couple production questions um dan asks uh if you're still largely using uh red 8k and if you'd consider a switch to something like the sony a1 line for mobility uh or if they're not quite kind of what you need in terms of reliability
1: good question yes yeah. so i've been using this might be the longest i've ever used one camera body i am still using the red monstro 8k and i think this is year three or four with this camera which doesn't it doesn't sound that long but we used to upgrade like once a year so yes we're still using those what's funny about the the a1 is we do shoot some stuff with the a1 um it's a great little camera it's obviously way more mobile we shoot a lot of car stuff with it specifically but also on the studio channel since we're just sort of running around handheld and it's got a mic built in we use more mirrorless cameras and smaller autofocus cameras on that channel so you know, still loving the red, but I think we're getting a little more variety with the studio stuff too.
2: Well, Kemi Kazi, I wish I'd put this in with the phones because when we were talking about flip phones, what jumped into my head is like, you know, we had flip phones 15 years ago and then the big thing was to get away from phones that folded and flipped and, and now we're back. And the question is about uh, recreating these, these previous design trends in a new way. Uh, do you think there's anything else, any other features that we used to have That uh, are gonna make it back in a new form.
1: (laughs) I I I feel like for some reason I'm really bad at you know as much time as I spend with all this futuristic tech I'm really bad at predicting like the next thing like the future seems hard future versions of yeah it's hard it's like the million dollar question like what's the next thing that's gonna catch on Um, but it's always funny because every time this question comes up I'm like all right you know how we have wireless headphones and like sometimes there's a little bit of lag. And sometimes they're annoying to pair, and sometimes one of them, mm-hmm. one of them dies before the other. I've got this invention. It's gonna be literally just like a little, a little port, a little hole in the side of the phone, right? And we're gonna plug it in with a wire, and then the wire is just gonna connect straight to the headphones. <laughs> and so then so then all of the lag is gone. You don't need any batteries, infinite battery life, right? It's gonna be cheaper because you don't need all the the Bluetooth stuff in there anymore either it's such a good idea. Like we should, and I'll call it the headphone jack and we'll start putting it in in (laughs) and every phone though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ports man, ports are going away, but
2: (laughs) headphone port. Yeah. You need to call it something completely new. So nobody will confuse it with the old
1: headphone jack. Yeah. I think we might have something there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It does seem really hard though to, uh, to know what's coming next. And I, I, bet you get that constantly where, you know, it's like, Oh, please predict, 2023 tech for us (laughs) and it seems dangerous and difficult million dollar questions uh we have we have a couple kind of uh specific production questions uh apm asked about inspiration on scenes thumbnails composition the colors that you use there's there's got to be an aesthetic and you know we saw it with uh the studio you you obviously put um a a fair bit of effort into figuring out how that was going to look and how it was going to come off uh, where does, where does all of that design come from?
1: Um, yeah, you kind of get an eye for it after a while. I mean, we have a team now, art director, uh, set design, but a lot of it is just like, I, there's like a bunch of ways I've seen tech videos done, which is like, you can have this moody lighting or you can do this really high contrast, like dark look, but I'm, I'm still at the end of the day, like trying to give you an idea of like what it's like to own it for real and like hold it in your hands. So I find we often do like pretty high key lighting and pretty bright environments and we go outdoors when we can. And generally that's just like so you can see it better and like just feel like you're in your own environment. And sometimes you'll feel like you're in my home or my studio or whatever it is. But that's the basic idea. Yeah, well, it certainly works.
2: Um, Well, Tom Video wants to know what it was like being a part of the Discord movie with Danny DeVito.
1: Oh, uh, it was great. (laughs) It was just fun. I mean, you'd imagine (laughs) you just imagine what that would be like and how fun it would be it was all of that it was all of that i mean obviously the the video the movie came out even better than i expected because they they described it to me first which was like all right it's just going to be this dream world and it's going to be you guys explaining what discord is to danny devito and it's gonna i mean you know they pitched the idea and i was just sort of unsure about it i was like all right that sounds kind of interesting like a commercial but okay let's do it and then you watch the final video and it's like kind of incredible. So it came out great. It was a, it was a fun time.
2: Well, we have another a cinema question. And this one came in from a couple different people. Dan Latch ultimately phrased it. Dojangles inquired about this. But how often do you wake up at night in a cold sweat hearing a faint echo of famous YouTuber Will Smith's voice calling your name?
1: <laughs> uh... Yeah, about once a, once a, once a week. About once a week, uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and you know it's probably never going to go away. I know it was about two years ago, but I uh, I did have to you know when I talked to Will afterwards, we had to bring it up just to squash it because it was like once every day until until we addressed it, and uh, you know now we've we've addressed the pronunciation, <laughs> we've got it all square. So you know it's in it's in the rearview mirror. You know Will's a good guy. Obviously, do you uh, think there's
2: do you think there's going <laughs> to be another rewind or Is that do we know if that's officially dead or did it just like phase out to nothing?
0: Uh, uh, I think the latter. Cool
2: if there was like a, no, we're yeah. not ever doing this announcement. Yeah, uh, I think they just haven't I mean, said obviously, anything.
1: <laughs> I think it's, yeah.
0: yeah, we're just going to stay made on sense. that. Sense. Can yeah, I, I gonna say, gonna say something real quick obviously. about Will Smith? Uh, for people who don't know, I don't even know if they do this anymore. Maybe they still do and I just don't get invited, which is fine. But they had this thing every year called Creator Summit where... YouTube would invite, yeah. I don't remember how many people, like a few dozen creators to a location in like New York City or whatever. And it'd be a full day of different activities. And they have, you know, speakers like different, like keynote speakers and, and interviews and stuff. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus because it's not what I do, but there have been really terrible people that they had in the past. What I will mm-hmm. do instead is prop somebody up. And that was Will Smith. Will Smith was one of the speakers one, one year and he was amazing. He was so like honest and likable. And I never had a a really strong opinion one way or the other about Will Smith. Like, I don't know the guy, uh, you know, I like his movies well enough. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was friggin' great. I love that show, but you know, he's an actor. I don't really get strong opinions on actors unless it's Steve Buscemi, but everybody knows about that already. I love what Will Smith had to say because he was so honest about kind of like the trajectory of his career where he was talking about being a star, you know, being a blockbuster hit actor where no matter what movie he put out, it, you know, rocketed to number one on the box office. And then that kind of stopped happening. (laughs) He's talking about like what that was like and the things he was getting into and YouTube and all this stuff. And, uh. I just wanted to throw that out there, in case anybody wanted my opinion on whether or not I think Will Smith is a cool guy. Um, I, I I thought he I thought he was great. I thought he came across a lot of these peop, these celebrities would c- come across weird in different ways, and uh, I left that experience just feeling like I I kind of wish I was real life friends with Will Smith.
1: <laughs> Seems awesome. Yeah, can vouch. Can definitely plus one that.
0: Yeah. You feel that? Okay, good. That's all I wanted. I wanted, I wanted, I didn't want to be disillusioned where all of a sudden you're like, actually, he stole my lunch that day and threw it on the ground and spit, spit in my face. He's a horrible person. I just wanted to know that your experience with Will Smith was, was as good as my projection of him.
1: For sure. No, I think that was the first creator summit, maybe the first or second one I ever went to. So I think I had high expectations for everyone following and none of them lived up. So. Yeah, it was good. There you go. OK, great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: we have two quickies here. One's from Linus, uh, which I almost I almost missed. I forgot to flag it here. It, it, this is really interesting. He was talking. Uh, he was talking to me about uh, kind of the, this this like air grab that happens in, in like all over YouTube. And I'd never noticed it until he mentioned it. You know, when people are talking, you got to do something with your hands, even though my camera not on now. I'm still. Talking with my hands as I'm talking to you, too. Um, how, how do you like is there an element of being self-conscious about what you do when you're th- like hundreds or a thousand videos in where, you know, are there things that you think about making sure you keep in terms of, you know, the motions and, and how what you do with your body or, you know, do people give you a hard time? Yeah. How does that work? Uh,
1: yeah, I think it's inevitable that people probably give you a hard time no matter what. I something I think when you first start making videos that you always feel like is, oh, wow, I hate the sound of my own voice and I hate editing my own face. This is terrible. Uh, I'm here to tell you twelve hundred videos in still terrible. Still, you, you don't get you used to it. it. It's it's going to be bad. <laughs> You're going to have to hear your own voice a lot. But um something I try to keep in mind is I'm trying to I'll try to like as far as mannerisms, I'll try to like almost explain when I'm explaining things anyway, I'm trying to explain it to like my friend standing next to me. Like if, if I was at practice and somebody said like, so what is the new screen? Like, like that's how I would try to talk in a video and actually like break it down and hopefully uh, get the message across. But at the end of the day, most of my footage is B roll anyway. So hopefully not too much of me flailing my hands around and yeah, (laughs) hopefully it's not too bad.
2: The last one is from curious tangents, by the way, thank you for signing up uh, on the Patreon. Uh, curious tangents that is very much appreciated we got such a rush last week of, of people supporting us it's amazing and it really does make this show happen every week Uh, and this is it's such a good idea what curious tangents uh, shot out here uh, their dream YouTube video is Simone Geertz building terrible tech and then you reviewing it is, mm. is there any type of uh, collab in that universe that that you ever see doing where it's you taking seriously terrible tech.
1: I, I think so. I think so. I lo- we, we come up with April Fool's Day ideas all the time, kind of relentlessly mm-hmm. to the point where we don't know which one to do every year. <laughs> um, no, I, lo- I love that. I mean, Simone, I met her at a, the the Tesla Cybertruck event where she brought the truck that oh, yeah. she built and it was mm-hmm. like incredible to see it in real life. It was like surreal actually looking at the thing. Um, yeah, I th- I would love to. I think that'd be great. We should get her on the podcast. She's a literal genius.
2: How is it? Uh, how has she eluded us this long? Uh, That's what I want to know.
0: <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I don't have a personal connection to her. So oh, it would, okay. it would require a little bit of, uh, jujitsu on my part, but it's worth doing. Start
2: training. <laughs> <Yeah>. Start training. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, well, look, man, I'm so glad that, that we were fi- finally able to make this happen, um, you know, you, it's weird. We do this podcast with such varying levels of creators on on purpose, because we want listeners to hear from people who are legends like yourself. We want, we want people to hear from, um, those who are up and coming. And, and also we've had a, a, a couple of people on who were up and coming. And then like, a month later, we're just <laughs> crushing it and blowing up out of like out kudos, of nowhere. Yeah. yeah, like many kudos, which is so funny uh, how amazing. he just exploded uh, right after our episode. But yeah, yeah, truly great um, to talk to you. All of the projects that you're doing. Again, at some point, I would like to be able to siphon some sort of your life force <laughs> in some way. We can make that possible. That would be great because I I could really I could really use it. I don't know, maybe. I should just stop um, living the gamer lifestyle of s- <laughs> swallowing tendies all day and <laughs> guzzling Mountain Dew like an idiot. Uh, that would probably help. Um, but seriously, man, it's 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 so awesome to, to see your success and continued rise. Like, it's weird to talk to someone who is so successful and then just gets more successful. You truly are uh, a unicorn and... Um, I just want to say it's a it's an honor uh, to have you on our show, man.
1: I, I appreciate it. If I if I could have my camera on and I'd be blushing, you'd all see that too. So, I, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> um, glad to be here, and hopefully, we'll get to do uh, some more collabs in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, if anybody hasn't heard of Marquez's channel, um, you know, first. I'd love to help you get out under that rock that you've been living under. <laughs> um, that sounds like a problem. Let's start there. That will be step one. Um, and step two would be, yeah, uh, if you need to know about phones, if you need to know about cars, he's doing that stuff now. Um, the podcast Waveform yeah. is awesome and getting better every single day. Um, and check out Retrotech. You might see a familiar gremlin. Uh, from (laughs) Vsauce2 appear briefly (laughs) on there. Uh, Thanks to all of our patrons for hanging out with us. Um, If you want to become a patron, just go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You can hang out with us in the episode chat while we do these episodes live and ask our creators a question. Um, But again, check out MKBHD. And uh, oh, one last question. Can people go to your um, games, like sit in the stands and watch you play Ultimate Disc?
1: Yeah. Now, this is super late notice, but our last home game is tomorrow night in New York at 7 p.m. So if you happen to have a free Friday night, we got one more.
0: All right, do it. I expect somebody from the Discord to go to that game and take pictures. How how awesome would that be? Um, All right, Marquez, you're off the hook. Thank you again for for joining us. We're out of here. See you, Space Cowboys.
2: Thanks for listening to the Create Unknown. We'd like to extend a huge thank you and congratulations to the Tots and Dumpster crew who save tiny little lives every single month. A tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Linus, our newest. Trev's dead, Boromir, BotDogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Andrew, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, Monohim, Dojangles, and Zero. And thanks to our grizzled battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mafisante, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebred, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Ryan, Kamikaze, Maria Marco, Sheep Tom, Videoger, Jelksies, and Dan the Latch. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer Dan Yosua and producer-editor Ben Webster. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme and to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.